You are listening to Pioneers at Work podcast, episode 16, part two. Welcome to Pioneers at Work podcast, a place for trailblazers to learn about blazing your trail, owning your journey, and having the right tools in your backpack to lead the life of your choosing, and a place to believe that you have everything you need to make a difference in the world. In part two of my conversation, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Lady Kitty Chisholm. Kitty is a coach, author, speaker, and facilitator. Her focus is on attitude and behavioral change in individuals, teams, and organizations. Kitty's work is evidence-based using applied neuroscience and psychology resulting in motivation, resilience, and performance. As a founder director of Boardwalk Leadership, Kitty used her knowledge of how brains changed to get more women into leadership roles and help organizations develop more inclusive cultures and practices. Boardwalk Leadership provided training and consultancy services to clients such as Cisco, EMEAR, ExoNoble, GKN, Heathrow, Thales, UK Cabinet Office, TIM Italia, UBS, and Merck's. Kitty co-designed and delivered leadership development programs in China, North America, and across Europe. She led the team that developed All In. According to one client, still the best online unconscious bias training program on the market. Her work with the UK's Open University gave her a passionate interest in how individuals and organizations learn and change. She co-founded the OU's Knowledge Media Institute, a multidisciplinary R&D lab at the forefront of innovation in learning and teaching technologies. Kitty is well known as a public speaker on learning and leadership. She delivered a TEDx on the power of attention. She co-authored four books, including Neuroscience for Leadership with Paul Brown and Tara Swart which was awarded the CMI Practical Manager Category Prize for 2016 and Championing Women Leaders with Jajina Jahu Jajifra. Kitty was a trustee of the Science Museum Group and on the advisory board of the School of Management of Royal Hollowell, University of London. She is a fellow of Brunel University, Royal Hollowell, the RSA, and the Knowledge Institute. She has an MA from Cambridge, an MSc from Henley Business School, and is working for a PhD on behavioral change at the Open University's KMI. We'll pick up right where we left off in part one of my conversation with Lady Kitty Chisholm. In part two, Lady Kitty Chisholm will talk about finding a champion, learning new skills, and the need to empower ourselves. And she'll tell us her personal message to women in the United States to think big and to know you can do it. Listen and learn from a pioneer and trailblazer in her own words, Lady Kitty Chisholm. Owning your career means owning your achievements. It's learning the language that makes you feel comfortable enough to say, thank you. I'm really pleased with that piece of work. 
wasn't easy, but I managed it. And of course, my team contributed. They're great. Haven't we done well? Yeah. So some of it is up to you, but not all of it. I think there's a lot of times and when women think, if I just keep my head down and I work hard enough, somebody's going to notice how hard I'm working, how much I'm getting done. They're going to approach me and say, I've got an opportunity for you and we want you to be the next fill in the blank. Even when that happens, it's up to you to help make it happen. So identify someone who can champion you, whether they're inside the organization, outside the organization, to talk to them, to develop a relationship with them. They're not going to do it if they don't know who you are, what you want, what your ambitions are. But I just let's get one thing straight. This is not about fixing women, right? This is just recognizing that for some women, they recognize the environmental risks of appearing to be pushy. How often have you heard a man called pushy? Kitty, I was called direct so much. She's she's so direct. She's she's too direct. She, you know, so I really resonate when, with that when you talk about it. So it, it's about uh, taking ownership of your career, really recognizing that it is up to you. That if you are going to be tapped on the shoulder, you have to be heard, recognized, valued and appreciated. And therefore, you do have to make some noise. Make it pleasant, but make it a noise. And I guess that's where I decided I was going to do it. And this is maybe the time to say how I did it. I did it by applying for a job, which nobody wanted me to have. Well, actually, some people did. But it was the job of being the head of office for the head of the organization. And he was very, very, very old-fashioned and petrified of an and introvert and petrified of an extrovert like me. But I went for that job and I got it. And so they had to find a way out of it. I actually got it on merit. And it was at the level that I was told I couldn't be promoted to. So guess what? They invented the job I really wanted. I could move to that. So somebody else who was more kind of calm and quiet and less extrovert could have that job. I made it happen. That's amazing that you actually took control of that situation and actually just made it happen for you. I was going to, and I was prepared to do that job and I would have done it really well. Yeah. Even though the chemistry, I would have handled the chemistry. I, I could, I, I had no doubts about that. That actually I would have done a very good job for him and he would have come to appreciate it. But he was, he didn't, he didn't think that way. You know, I really like this, this thought that you, you mentioned and you said you wanted to make perfectly clear. It's not about changing women. It's about helping them recognize the risks that they may face 
when they start causing, I'm going to call a little bit of a disruption about, you know, like talking about their accomplishments and understanding and even considering consciously, how will I manage that disruption in a way that it's going to help them move their careers forward? And that's obviously if you're working in the bowels of an organization. And quite often what women do, they are hugely ambitious. They want to reach the top and they say, I'm not going to do this in this organization. The culture isn't what I'm looking for. I'm going to create my own. And they go and do just that. And then the skill set you need is different. Then you need to be able to talk to investors and give them the confidence that you're confident, that you know what you're doing. And we know that that is a big area of worry. The proportion of women entrepreneurs who get investors on board is much, much smaller than it should be. And it is a skill set that you train for. It doesn't happen um, naturally for anyone. Train yourself or the skill set that you need, even if inside you're feeling, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is a fantastic idea, but can I do it? That's not what you say to the investor or to the analyst. So it is about recognizing that there are certain skill sets that you need and getting yourself prepped for them, training yourself to have... um, the right tone of voice, the right language, projecting the right image, even, dare we say it, wearing the right clothes, for whatever business you're in. And if it's a media fashion business, you can wear your torn jeans with pride. But if it's a financial environment, you might not want to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's your you are your brand. Absolutely. So what you're selling, you have to reflect that in every stakeholder that you're engaging with. Absolutely right. And I want to go back to this point that you made about women, because you sent me a really very interesting report that I need to spend a lot more time on. But it's the first Commonwealth Women's Entrepreneurship Summit of 2021. It's an interim report. And in that report, they talk about the fact that women have entrepreneurial ideas and they have a lot of passion, but what they may be lacking, it's access to capital, to training Mm. and to tools to take those ideas and take that passion and convert it into an actual profitable business. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, the person who said it best was Christine Lagarde. And what she said just, you know, makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. She said, the one thing, the one thing this world could do to improve economic performance around the world, the one thing they could do was empower women economically. It is the simplest, the lowest hanging fruit, and it would be transformational. And why? When that is known, accepted, believed, isn't it happening? I mean, you see microcosms 
of what happens when women are economically empowered and they are, they're able to take that financial capability mm-hmm. and invest it wherever you know they yeah. choose which creates more opportunity so how i think the question then becomes like how do how do we right help women get these skills that they need to look at the risk but also and say yep one i want in and two is as you said kitty what do i need to get for resources not only yeah. tangible resources but it may be a champion it may be an expert to help them move from I have this great idea to, I can actually make this happen. And that's another angle that quite often women are reluctant to ask for help. I don't know if you've seen that in your work. I certainly saw it in mine. Uh, And partly it's, again, women are very sensitive to the messages that are being given to them by their environment. And Perhaps I like to think that I have no scientific basis for that, but I like to think that it has evolutionary roots, that women needed to be part of the tribe more than men did, because the minute you have a baby and then a baby and a toddler, you need help. You need help when that tribe is moving from place to place. And both your hands are tied. You've got a baby on one arm and a toddler on the other hand. How are you going to move? You need the support of the people around you, of your clan, of your community, of your organization. Maybe that's so inbuilt that women have perhaps an extra sensitivity to what people think of them. That's kind of what I like to think. And that means that quite often they hesitate to do things that might bring opprobrium of some kind. And if you ask for help, will you be thought as weak? Or will you be thought as someone who's building a business and growing it, or building a department and growing it, and actually needs more pairs of hands? How do you ask for resources in a way that says, in order to achieve this result, this impact, I need, and not feel that you're asking for help, but you're asking for resources to build? Mm. I think it's really important to, to, there's a distinction, right, that you can make in the way you think about it regards to I need resources to achieve this goal as opposed to I need resources because I need the personal help. That's really a great way to reframe. So one of the the so we have a number of recommendations for organizations as well. And that is um, the best organizations recognize that occasionally, and the best senior managers recognize that women may occasionally need more championing than men do. There was this hilarious article um, 
think from 2013 in the Harvard Business Review, which said something like, why do so many useless men get the top jobs? I, I recommend it to anyone, any female who's feeling down because they missed out on promotion. Um, and basically it said because men project confidence and they get tend to get chosen on that charismatic confidence rather than on competence. Whereas we go back to the Cinderella. She's competent. She gets the job done. Why not shout about it? But there she is, polishing away, you know, the hearth and mending the clothes and doing all the stuff that needs doing. And that takes me back to the expectations. There are different expectations for women that, that they are going to do it all with one hand tied behind their back. They're going to do the cooking and the cleaning and the shopping and looking after the kids and making sure everyone's got shoes, as well as whatever else they happen to do. Isn't that an expectation we've all grown up with? Of course. Did your mother grow up with that? Did you yeah. grow up with that? Do it all. Uh, all the listen, yeah? As opposed to not having that expectation that I have to do everything, not only, let me just say, not only do everything, but I have to do it really well. Yeah. I have to. And that's what I mean. Sorry, no, that's I, what I mean about resonating perhaps too much with the expectations and not saying, hang on a moment, as you know, anyone who's looked at all the myriad ways of saying no, and one of them is, would you like to help me schedule this so I know what is a priority and what isn't a priority? You know, the nappy bucket is a priority. Yes. <laughs> Because it smells. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it must be dealt with. <laughs> it must be dealt with. Anyway, so that was a bit frivolous. So I'm curious, as we wrap up this wonderful conversation that we've been having, um, are there some primary points that you would like these listeners, these women in the United States and elsewhere to take away from our conversation? Most of all, I'd like you to feel, all of you, that you are capable of so much, that your potential is untapped. And I, I don't mean you're not working hard enough. I mean, you have the most amazing potential in yourselves as characters, as brains, as human beings achieve what you want to do to to achieve so think big and always think that you can do it and yes it will take hard work but you can do it if that's what you really really want and my second one is find out at some point in your life what really makes you get up in the morning what you love doing and if you can bring your work and what you love doing together in some way. That is really the best path. And, and for me, it took me until I was, what, 60, 65 to find that out. But I'm having a great time now. I agree with you 100% on that because when you work hard, but you love 
what you're doing. You're passionate about what you're doing. It actually doesn't seem like work anymore. It's just yeah. you're doing what you love and it and it gives you a sense of fulfillment and for many of us a sense of purpose. Yeah. And that I guess that's um don't the other thing I would say is don't feel you have to meet other people's expectations all the time. Yeah. Don't feel that because some women are fantastic entrepreneurs, you have to be one as well. You've got to really want to build a business because it, it is the hardest work. You don't get any downtime when it's your business. It's 24-7, and it takes a lot of sacrifice in the beginning. But if that's what you want to do, don't let that put you off. Go for it. Yeah, go for it and grow in the process of Absolutely. discovery and understand that, you know, there may be setbacks, but just learn from it and make progress step by step along the way. Um, I have one more question for you, Kitty, mm-hmm. in that. I'd like to know who is your most favorite woman pioneer? Oh, golly. Do you know, that was the hardest question because I there were so many women who have done fantastic things. And it's more, I guess, I, I really admire someone like Christine Lagarde who can tell it as it is whose background, she was a synchronized swimmer. I don't think I knew that. No, no. I mean, she does talk about it. So I really admire women who have fantastic achievements from really, really varied backgrounds. And her background was that her parents often left her when she was tiny in charge of her siblings. And I mean tiny. They just said, oh, we're going out for the evening. You you can look after the kids. She was, what, five, six? And she had the sense of responsibility from a very young age. So that, that kind of was one of the things, people, characteristics that I admire. And And I guess the other thing is, People who have done things, first of all, um, like the first woman doctor ever, Elizabeth Blackwell, 1849, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson in the UK, uh, Elizabeth Blackwell in the US. I mean, the first person to do it, if you think about it, when it's unthinkable, when it's unthinkable, and not like uh, Tereshkova, who was the first woman in space, because it, it wasn't like being in a period where women are not considered fully human. You know, they, they have wounds and therefore they're hysterical. Their brains aren't capable of thinking like men in, in the mid-1800s. That was the prevailing opinion. And there were two women who said, I'm going to be a doctor. It's that complete ability to discard all the assumptions that your environment makes about you. Yes. 
I have to tell you right now, I'm kind of getting chills because I think that that statement is all, despite all the assumptions your environment makes about you, you have the power to do something for the first time that is going to change not only your life, but the lives of others. And, and just seizing that power and saying, I don't have to like live by other people's assumptions. I can just do what is calling me to do. Oh, you just like, Kitty, just like, whew, that was like. <laughs> well, you asked some good questions, Ella. So um, I know people are going to be so excited to know more about you when they listen to this podcast. So how can people learn more about you, what you're doing, and and get in touch with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so do send me messages and have a look. I, I, I'm not publishing at the moment because I'm, but I will be over the next year or so because I'm doing a PhD. So I'm in the in the learning mode and, and in the early stages. Um, if you Google me, if you Google me either as Kitty Chisholm or Lady Chisholm then you might get photographs because I take photographs of racing cars and roses, not together, separately, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, use LinkedIn. I think that's probably the best. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. And I personally am looking forward to hopefully staying in touch with you and just learning more from you, especially with any other upcoming book that you're going to release. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ellen. I've really enjoyed our conversation, really. Do you know someone with a pioneering mindset and a story to share? Reach out to me at ellenempowers.com. Let's share our stories and make a difference in the world.